Hey everyone, this is Father Conrad, and uh, this is that time of the year when uh, all the different Catholic and charitable organizations that you uh, participate with ask for donations. And so Catholic Bites is is about the same. Um, as you know, all of our resources, all our podcasts, it's all for free, and we rely completely on the generosity of our donors to help make that happen. So this year we're trying to raise about $6,000, and, and the awesome thing is we already have donors who are willing to match gifts up to $3,000. So that means when you donate this year, your donation goes twice as far as normal in helping us to create resources for your spiritual life, great podcasts, great YouTube videos, and all sorts of awesome things. So I'm asking you if you'll prayerfully consider making a donation of maybe just $1 a day each day in Advent. So that's roughly about 25 bucks, but it actually raises $50 for our ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity, for all of you who have already given, and thank you for all your support and care. God bless you. Hello and welcome to Catholic Bites, a podcast for busy Catholics. This is Father Conrad, and today we have a special guest, Dr. Melissa Muscala, who is an associate professor of philosophy at Catholic University. Dr. Muscala, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. So it's a pleasure we have to be you here. on today because of a very pressing, I guess, uh, issue that we're all we're all dealing with right now, which is of course the uh, the current COVID pandemic and the the hope and the promise of a of a vaccine. And um, I know that for Catholics, we have lots of concerns about vaccines in terms of bioethics, in terms of the relationship to, um, to abortion and things like that. And can you walk us through maybe what some of those concerns might be? Sure. So a number of people have expressed concern in particular because of the fact that uh, some of the vaccines are being made with the help of cell lines that were originally derived from the tissue of aborted fetuses. So uh, one of the cell lines in question is called HEK293 and is thought to be derived from an aborted uh, fetus um, around the year 1973. And that cell line is frequently used in biomedical research. And some of the, uh, depending on the, the method used for the production of the vaccine, uh, some of the leading vaccines, uh, like the uh, the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, uh, actually use this cell line for the production of the vaccine. Now, the two other leading vaccines, the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines, they don't use that cell line for the actual production of the vaccine, uh, but they have used that cell line to test the mm-hmm. the vaccine. So some pro-life organizations think that all of these vaccines are unethical because they all have some connection to this uh, cell line or some of the other vaccines Mm -hmm. to other cell lines similarly derived from aborted fetuses a long time ago. Uh, Others are concerned only with the vaccines that are made directly from the, the cell line and aren't worried about the vaccines that are merely tested using these cell lines of, you could say, we call them cell lines Mm -hmm. of illicit origin, right? Cell lines that originated from aborted fetal tissue. So those are kind of some of the two positions in terms of concern, uh, whether it's it's any use of these lines or only the the use Mm -hmm. that is kind of more direct in terms of the production of the vaccine. So for Catholic, like just as a layman who doesn't understand uh, much of uh, kind of the the vaccine and the tissue world, uh, how do we we kind of determine what is something that we should participate in? What is something that 
might be morally problematic for us to participate in? Where, where do we kind of draw those lines and how do we go about doing that? These are very, very tricky questions. And in order to answer the questions, it's very helpful to know just some facts about how these things mm-hmm. work. So um, when it comes to something like the HEK-293 cell line or any of these cell lines which were derived many years ago from the tissue of an aborted fetus, it's important to understand that these cell lines are what scientists mm-hmm. call immortal, meaning that they continue to multiply and divide indefinitely. Uh, and also they're very far removed from the initial uh, tissue that was used to generate them. So these cell lines no longer actually contain any mm-hmm. fetal tissue. They've been modified very far from their kind of original origin. Um, and using them does not create any demand for more fetal tissue, again, because they just multiply and uh, So it's, it's not as it... It's not, so it's not as if uh, the vaccine uh, producers were, were going out and procuring aborted tissue right off the bat. This is something that is much, much further in the past and much more remote. Exactly. Exactly. And that, I think, is an essential thing to keep in mind when considering the ethics of using these sorts of, of cell lines. So it's, it's very clear in uh, Catholic ethics on these issues that the use of new fetal tissue in research would be problematic precisely because you're creating a demand mm-hmm. for more and more of it. So any kind of experiment uh, or production that requires kind of continual mm-hmm. new fetal tissue, that would be problematic because it's creating a constant demand for fetal tissue, which is usually derived from elective abortions. And it's because of that, it's also very difficult for the researcher using that tissue not to implicitly Mm -hmm. approve of the abortions which are necessary uh, for that work to move forward. So so what we're concerned with here is uh, what's really technically called appropriation of the, uh, Mm -hmm. the benefits of evil. And uh, it's similar to something that's more common, which is called cooperation with evil. But the difference is that when you're cooperating with evil, you're actually contributing directly to the evil that's going on. When it's appropriation of the benefits of evil, it's an mm-hmm. evil that happened in the past and you're appropriating, you're, you're benefiting uh, from that evil. And what's problematic you know, in both cases of direct cooperation with evil or appropriation of evil, it would be problematic if you were directly or indirectly to come to approve of that evil or come to sort of share in the intention mm-hmm. of that evil. Um, and, uh, and it would also be problematic if your cooperation were essential to uh, allowing that evil to happen. Uh, so both of those things would be, prob- would be problematic. There's also concerns about mm-hmm. scandal, for instance, uh, if other people might reasonably infer from your behavior that you approve of that evil, uh, that could also be problematic in certain circumstances. So those are the, the concerns to have in mind. And it's uh, it seems that when you're using these historic cell lines, 
derived many years ago from aborted fetuses and that are now far removed from it and continue to divide indefinitely on their own, uh, we don't have those sorts of problems uh, because you're not creating new demand uh, for the aborted fetal tissue and it's so far removed from the original evil, the original injustice of the abortion that um, one does not necessarily approve of that original injustice by appropriating its, its benefits. I think mm-hmm. analogies can help here. So we know, for instance, that the uh, anti-malarial drug uh, chloroquine was developed uh, with the help of Nazi experimentation in concentration camps. Clearly, that was a grave injustice. But the fact that we now benefit from that knowledge and use that medicine doesn't mean that we approve of that past injustice. And benefiting from it in no way contributes to a perpetuation of such injustices, and therefore there's nothing morally wrong with it. Nor would anybody uh, reasonably suspect that your use of that drug implies approval of it. So the question of scandal, again, is uh, is is not a concern. And I think that the use of these historic cell lines is analogous. So if that's the case, that would you say that with the, the that distinction you drew at the beginning between the um, the vaccines that only used the cell lines for testing and the vaccines that used it for production, uh, even that distinction is kind of a moot point morally if it's so far removed, or, or would that be something still to have a concern about? I think that that distinction is a moot point, morally speaking, for the reasons that I said. Uh, those who think it's important... I think, uh, fail to understand mm-hmm. how far removed we are from the original injustice and fail to understand the fact that we're not in any way sort of creating a market for or creating new demand for aborted fetuses by using uh, these historic so cell lines. So then it's the moral considerations for uh, vaccines in terms of the pro-life movement uh, seem to be pretty set that this we can we can move forward with with vaccinations um without without concern of giving scandal or without concern of um of applying or or or, or supporting uh a system that 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 benefits from aborted aborted uh tissue is that is that the conclusion you draw yes i think so i think that that uh pro-lifers can with a clear conscience take uh any of the uh, the vaccines that are currently under development, that this does not in any way involve uh, implicit approval of past abortions or create demand for new fetal tissue, new, uh, new abortions. So I, I don't see any moral problem there at all. Uh, in fact, I, I think it could be, there could be a kind of problematic uh, backlash in terms of the public effects if, it turned out that pro-lifers with good intentions, but I think uh, misinformed about the ethics of this, in large quantities refused to take the virus. I think that could actually be very injurious to the pro-life movement because if if in people's minds, people, uh, you know, the, the broader public sees pro-lifers as against the vaccine that could help us move out of this global pandemic, uh, that is not going to make people sympathetic to the to the pro-life movement. Now, 
Um, if there mm-hmm. were real moral objections, then, you know, of course, uh, one should kind of bite the bullet, you know, in terms of whether the public reaction is going to be good or bad. But um, given that I don't think there are moral objections, I think also considering the public reaction is... So a, a, is a final kind of question, and this is a, a little bit broader, which is, so so in this conversation, we've, we've gone a little bit more in depth into, into cell lines, into how these cell lines reproduce, how things... Um, you know, uh, kind of more detailed biomedical uh, information. And it, it seems to me that when it comes to any bioethical issue, usually the response is, you know, like there's, it's, it's difficult to draw very clear distinctions for the lay person, right? Like, like I, as a lay person, I'm, I'm trying right. to figure out, is this moral or is this not? And it, it seems to come down to very te- technical distinctions and, and, and things like that. Are there any kind of basic things you would recommend to, a layperson who wants to know if the medical treatment or if the the, the research or, or things like that that they are hearing about is um, is ethically problematic or not, or is it does it just require kind of reading and, and trying to figure out these distinctions, or, or just trusting trusting the testimony of experts, or where, where should where should kind of the average Catholic go to find information like this that they can trust? Well, that's a really good question. I think that what's tricky about these things is that knowledge of sometimes complex medical or biological facts is often quite relevant to making uh, the necessary ethical distinctions or or applying the ethical principles. The principles themselves, I think, are not really that complicated, right? They're the things that I outlined in terms of... um, never wanting to kind of share in the evil intention or approve of the evil that's being done or has been done and not, you know, perpetuating that evil with one's actions or giving scandal by doing something that could reasonably be taken to um, involve uh, approval of that evil without at least, you know, uh, very clearly stating the opposite position, Mm -hmm. for instance, in some circumstances when... um, uh, when it's still necessary to have some kind of involvement. Um, so, you know, th- those principles are the general principles, but then how to apply those depends often on mm-hmm. just knowledge of the facts. And so, you know, as I said in the the case of um, research in general, you know, is knowing about how these cell lines are derived, what it means that a cell line is immortal, the difference between a historic cell line that continues uh, to divide on its own versus research that involves the continual procurement of new fetal tissue. Those are really important distinctions. Um, and it's it's pretty easy to figure out the difference between those two things um, just by kind of, you know, doing a Google search and and things like that. But, um, you know, but then, you know, there are also uh, resources uh, in terms of, you know, people who, mm-hmm. who think these things through and, and write about them. But again, there are also going to be differing opinions on that view. So, you know, as we saw, I mean, my, my view on that um, differs from the views of, of certain pro-life organizations um, that I very much respect and, uh, and, and appreciate their, their work. So I think, you know, sometimes... Uh, 
people, we just need to look at different opinions and think, think these things through mm-hmm. for ourselves also. Good. Well, I mean, it, it, it's kind of a call for us to just not take things for granted, but to, to really educate ourselves in, in these more complex issues, especially, you know, it's very easy to just go into your doctor's office and hear one thing and then not really speculate on it or, or not speculate, but, but ponder it, whether it's something that I can morally uh, go into. So having a Having some education right. uh, can be can be a big help, um, Doctor Mescal. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for for helping us uh, get more deeply educated on on a very important and and, and topical uh, uh, um, issue. And uh, and we're very grateful for for coming on the podcast. And thank oh, you're you welcome. to our listeners. Uh, if you'd like to listen to more great Catholic talks, you can find them at catholicbyitspodcast.org. Or you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, Just search for Catholic Bites. That's Bites with a Y. Thank you and God bless you.